This is the Punk and Piledrivers Podcast with your host, Big Bad Boris. Greetings and welcome to the latest edition of the Punk and Piledrivers Podcast on the Love Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I'm really excited this week to be joined by a very incredible professional wrestling commentator, Veda Scott. Veda, how's things in Pennsylvania? Uh, it's actually really, really nice right now. Uh, I had time yesterday to go to a baseball game because the weather was nice. Um, it's it's a little hot. Um, I don't know the, the the conversion to Celsius, but today was like, like 70 degrees, which is quite warm for this time of year. But yeah, everything's great. Nice uh, sunny. Uh, a Phillies game or? Uh, no, uh, a minor league game. So like a Phillies uh, farm team. Oh, I love minor league baseball. It's a lot more intimate and good quality ball in a nice uh, small stadium. What's the the team name down there? Uh, this is the Iron Pigs. Uh, the <laughs> Fantastic. Area, yeah. Yeah. The area is um, known or it was at one point known for a lot of steel manufacturing. Mm, and okay. so a lot of iron works uh, were in this area. So uh, the Iron Pigs, uh, the two mascots are Fifi and Ferris, uh, Ferris. And then Fifi is F E F E, like the mm-hmm. the uh, symbol for iron. So you know, oh, they're fun. And okay. everything is everything is pork themed. Um, like all the uh, the ma- the uh, like they have little pork racers, like mascots, like hams shaped like hams that run around. Uh, they have a lot of pork oriented uh, food, uh, a lot of bacon. The logo is also involves bacon. I'm a vegetarian, but I still have bacon hats and things. Fantastic. I will definitely have to Google that. I love uh, minor league baseball. Um, So uh, as another commentator, I'm interested to get some information on and opinions on on the commentary thing. And I'm really excited to have you on. When did you decide to kind of start transitioning from from being an interim competitor to to commentating? Did you kind of get thrown in there just because they needed somebody or was it something you were looking to do? Well, so I had been trying to do more and more announcing and commentary uh, from the beginning. Uh, and I, I would just, you know, try to, if I was at an independent show, try to call some matches if I could. Uh, in the time period that I was with Ring of Honor, I was either managing or involved in my own wrestling story. So it made sense a lot of times for me to go on commentary to kind of do my own when it's my own story. But then there were a couple of occasions like uh, like traveling shows, house show type things where uh, the regular announce team wasn't available or like Kevin Kelly couldn't make it that night or it was a smaller show. So they had a smaller crew and I was always already there. So then there were some times where I got to do whole shows, got to work with different people. I'm like, okay, I really love doing this. Um, I started to do the commentary also for shimmer, which was mm-hmm. a, the large women's wrestling promotion uh, in, in the United States, but it had wrestlers from all over the world. And uh, we used to do the majority of the commentary in post-production. So I would like wrestle on the show and then a month later or so do the commentary. And then when we would do it live, I would, wrestle the first match and then like show up halfway through the second match and call the rest of the show. The, the Veda I special. Doing... I read that. Yes. On, I was doing some research. Yeah. We actually had you do that when you were here for love wrestling. We you, did. You did the yes. Special. So I do that quite often. Uh, well, not so much anymore, uh, which I'll, I'll kind of get to, but you're asking about like the transition. And uh, I, I didn't actively, like I was trying to do more and more here and there. And then uh, when the pandemic happened, I wasn't doing anything. And I wasn't sure if I was going to wrestle anymore, if anyone was going to wrestle anymore. Uh, But I hadn't taken any bookings and I wasn't looking for any bookings for a while. And I got called by AEW to do commentary for a YouTube 
uh, tournament that they were running uh, out of Jacksonville when they were taping the shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got to do that and a few weeks of dark. And once I was doing commentary in a more prominent role, then I got people, you know, uh, trying to a- asking me, you know, is this something that you do? Can I hire you for commentary? And like the switch has now happened where I certainly take more commentary bookings and wrestling bookings now. And there was a moment where like people started coming to me for commentary bookings instead of me like begging to call a few matches. And that was where like the switch kind of happened. So it's been really cool. I still, I still enjoy wrestling and I take matches that like seem like they'll be fun, but I can't so much wrestle and call the same shows anymore. I tend to have like a larger role or I'm doing something in production, but yeah, so it's been cool. It was like not maybe an intentional, like fully conscious path, but once uh, I realized how much I love doing it, I have kind of definitely steered myself in that direction. Awesome. Are you looking to kind of wind down your in-ring career? Or is that something that you're still pursuing? Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think that you can ever really retire from wrestling because yeah. it's not like you, <laughs> everyone comes back. Uh, like I said, I still, you know, I still do stuff in ring. I still take matches when it seems like they're going to be something fun. So, like, I don't really have a reason to stop. Uh, but I also, like, don't necessarily pursue it as much because I have some really cool commentary stuff going on that I have to consistently be in that position. So yeah, but when it when it when the opportunity's there and it's something fun, I, I do so wrestle. Yeah. Uh you mentioned earlier that uh, there's been a lot of shows where you would do the commentary and post production after mm-hmm. the fact. Uh that's how I started off years and years and years ago before we started doing the, you know, the previous companies I'd worked for, uh before we started doing it live, we would do it in post. Did you find that kind of challenging? Because I find it because I used to film shows and then edit them. And by the time I would do commentary, I'd already seen the match like three times. And I found a mm-hmm. little bit of the spontaneity. Gone. Did you find it a little bit challenging to do uh, it so in post-production? I, I actually kind of feel the opposite. I, I really I really love doing stuff in post-production. I still do quite a bit of it. Um, there's a couple of places that I regularly call their shows. Uh, I actually just did a bit of it yesterday, earlier today. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I really like doing it because it, it first of all, so sometimes... When a promotion has to get commentary done in post-production, maybe they're a promotion that is growing or newer or doesn't quite have the budget to do like full live production, doesn't have access to streaming live, what have you. But when we can get something really, really polished and put together in post, uh, I think that's a really great, you know, representation for a lot of these wrestlers who maybe are still trying to get themselves out there. Now we have a really nice package that they can show around and that other people will watch. So that's that's a reason I really like doing post-production. It lets me a lot of times talk about people who, uh, you know, are just still trying to get out there. And then the other reason I do like doing things in post is uh, I am the opposite when it comes to spontaneity. I genuinely believe that every show would be better or all commentary would be better if all the wrestlers just like lined up and told us their matches from the beginning, because there's so many moments in pro wrestling commentary where like, you're not quite sure what they're going for or something gets messed up or whatever story points. And there's so many ways to cover that up through commentary, but sometimes I don't know until it's happening, what needs to be covered up. And so I feel like there's just, for me, as much preparation as possible that goes to my notes to everything, but also like, I like to know as much about the matches I'm calling before I call them. 
Um, so that's another reason it's fun. And the third reason is I do a lot of post-production uh, by myself. So I do, I, I'm, I'm fortunate I have Speedball. Uh, we call a weekly wrestling show about an hour of wrestling um, for crossbody pro wrestling every week. So that's fun to do together. But I do a lot of commentary solo in post-production. And I find that that is, a good time for me to like work on skills and practice things. And it also like gives me the chance to um, really focus on what I'm doing. You mentioned uh, kind of knowing about what's going on. I uh, mm -hmm. find sometimes in, in the past in my career, a lot of times some wrestlers have really, really subtle things that they think are really, really obvious that to the audience mm -hmm. are going to be very subtle. And, and sometimes you got to spoon feed them a little bit. Yeah. And it's just in that situation, I think it's really helpful to know kind of what we're going for here, because the other thing is like, I don't I also don't want to be telling a story opposite to what you're trying to tell. Mm -hmm. And some people will say like, oh, well, it's the wrestler's responsibility to make it clear. It's like, yeah, sure. But there's no reason that I should be like talking against the narrative if I can fix that, if I can help that. Absolutely. So I don't know. I just feel like commentary is a really necessary part of the professional wrestling not live viewing experience the stream view experience whatever what have you the broadcast experience and it's our job to do as much as we can to elevate what's happening in the ring and not like fight against what's happening in the ring absolutely uh, you mentioned calling shows by yourself do you find that mm -hmm. challenging because uh, like where i am there's not a lot of other commentators so i've i've called uh, dozens if not you know a couple hundred shows by myself do you find it a little mm -hmm. bit challenging or is it sometimes easier because you don't have to worry about giving the other person time and kind of matching the narrative you can just kind of point the ship in the direction you want to go in and sail yeah because i i do some uh remote commentary in like virtual teams like we'll do we'll record our own tracks but we'll like watch it through zoom or however we do it or we have a producer in the room so there's different ways that i've done that but when it comes to doing it by myself i don't know i, I know a lot of people uh don't like doing that because it's it's exhausting it's a lot and also sometimes it's like it's easier to have someone to play off of or two people to play off of however many people are in your booth uh and that kind of makes it easier to just bounce because then you're not talking yourself for three hours or six hours or however long the job is but i don't know i i kind of like i kind of like doing it by myself uh again i don't have to worry about anyone else and when you are like a complete control freak that is helpful <laughs> uh, but but also like it's also an opportunity for me to really play around with trying new things trying new uh like trying new inflection trying uh playing around with my vocal range a little bit and i can do that and then if i don't like it i can just erase it and do it again do you, so, do you often go back and do edits? Sometimes, uh, sometimes I will realize that like what was happening wasn't the direction that they ended up going because like maybe the finish got messed up or something, and my reaction to it was not what it needs to be mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, it, it's not not super often uh, that I'll I won't like redo a whole thing, but there are times where like I would want to smooth things out a little bit to make things more clear for the audience. We, I was doing a show uh, in post uh, a few years ago, and I don't know, my brain just kind of froze, and I real named one of the guys in the middle of the match. <laughs> I was like, so-and-so with the clothesline, and I was like, what the hell happened there? So I had to go back and fix that. You talked about being tired and how being exhausting, and I almost feel kind of guilty, because sometimes at the end of a show, I, I talk about how exhausted I am, and I feel bad because I'm not the one in the ring, you know, really working my <laughs> ass off, but it's tiring. Uh, I think commentary is 
a lot more work than wrestling. Um, it's and oh, I think a lot of well, I think a, a good portion of wrestlers who uh, are not, you know, trained broadcasters or they are training to be broadcasters will say the same thing, uh, even when they just have to call one match and that it's very it, commentary is difficult. It's also difficult to, uh, you know, say what you see. But there's also a lot of conventions and like production requirements that you need to be fulfilling. Like it's it's a very difficult job. And I think that people don't necessarily realize the difficulty until they do it and are like, God forbid, forced to like be on for three hours yeah. as opposed to 15 <laughs> minutes. But yeah. And it's, there's times where I've done like LA WrestleMania weekend that just happened. Like I was doing three and four shows a day. So that's at least I had a partner for that one, but it still was like, you know, 12 hours worth of wrestling or whatever is a lot. And some wrestlers were having many multiple matches during the day. We were just kind of like comparing where we were at, like mentally at that time. Yeah. I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit later. Of course. Um, there's something coming up that I'm going to be a part of that you might've heard about. That's going to be interesting. Um, Michael Richard blaze, who you uh, worked with and met while you were here. Yes. And he was also on the uh, GCW Toronto show. He's going to be doing an eight hour gauntlet match to raise money for, to celebrate his 20th year in the business and to raise money mm -hmm. for a children's hospital here uh, in the city we live in here in Edmonton. And we're streaming it live and I'm going to be doing uh, the call, the commentary for the entire eight hours. And I'm kind of yes. like, he's insane. Like, I think I'm insane, but he's like twice as insane. Uh, it's going to be exciting, but I'm a little bit worried about him and me. <laughs> do you, do you know, like what, what is the format for it? Is it like, however many people have signed up, just get <laughs> slotted in like a telethon or. Yeah, there's, I think there's like six or seven other guys, uh, uh, or I should say talent uh, male and female that are going to be slotting it, I believe, at 30-minute intervals is, mm, I think, how okay. it's going to go, and he's going to get a bit of a water break here and there. But yeah. uh, it's a crazy thing. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I'm also kind of worried about his, you know, his <laughs> physical. He's always been crazy and just just jumps into things, and 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 you know, he's got a real passion for the business, and and I'm I'm worried about you know myself being able to keep everything you know on track and keep myself on track and just having the the juice to go that whole time. Yeah, are you a caffeine person? Absolutely. That's my rec that's Absolutely, always my yeah. recommendation. I am always highly caffeinated. Uh I believe I gave drops. you an energy drink at our show. Yes, did I not? <laughs> yes. Cause I have on my like third of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm always highly caffeinated. I use lots of cough drops. Um, I am a big fan of tea, like hot tea as well. Mm, for sure. Uh for voice. And I also like it's it's a little bit harder to do, I guess, when you're doing eight hours, is that like I on oftentimes at a show, like don't uh don't talk very much except for when I'm working. If I know that it's going to be like a long day because I will by the by the night, like my voice will be gone. So <laughs> yeah, sometimes the, the better the show is by the main event, I'm croaking a little bit. Uh, this is a music podcast as well as a professional wrestling podcast. I like to ask my guests to pick a couple of tracks uh, uh, that they enjoy to talk about because I'm a big music fan as well as wrestling fan. Uh, your first track, you picked a band near and dear to my heart for many, many, many years. You picked uh, Just Like Heaven by The Cure. I love The Cure. Absolutely uh, just churning out fantastic music for decades and decades. Tell me a bit about why you picked this one. Oh, uh, so I love The Cure as well. And I have since 
as long as I can remember knowing of them uh, in that, like I grew up in a very musical household. My father's a musician. So there was just constantly music all the time. Uh, so my, and my musical taste, like I would, my parents listened to, you know, a lot of fifties and sixties, a lot of doo-wop. Uh, my dad is a guitarist and a bass player. So there was always live music. There was always people around recording, but anyway, so like I was exposed to a lot of different kinds of music. Very, very young. Um, I have some pretty extreme auditory, uh, and sensory issues so i don't even listen to music all that much any longer which is the the auditory sensitivity issues and the sensory issues are problematic when my job is to have loud things in my ear mm, but but in terms of music like i i don't i find myself going back to the same songs pretty much over and over uh like my musical taste when i was like i don't know 17 18 maybe a little bit older kind of like locked in and uh it's mostly because I, I tend not to listen to a lot anymore um but I love the cure I love this song in particular because how could you not uh but I really could have picked anything and uh and I just remember uh like this just being this is one of the songs like on my uh comfort mix that if I'm gonna listen to music I listen to it's like watching that same sitcom. Like I've watched the, I've gone yes. through the office like a thousand times and it's just, you know, that familiarity is very comforting. Yes, absolutely. I believe they're working on uh, putting out another record, The Cure are as well. Did you ever get a chance to see them live? They're on my bucket list of bands to see live that I never No, uh, there was, so they were doing, a they are doing a tour. Uh, it's certainly in the States, but probably elsewhere. And I know that tickets were even without, with them trying to get rid of Ticketmaster fees, like Robert Smith wanted there to be no fees, et cetera, but there were still other fees like attached and taxes and everything was really expensive. And it's really difficult for me to like anticipate a date that I'll be available to do mm, anything fair. if it's not tomorrow. So <laughs> I, I'm not a big concert person. Also, I have not the last, I like I'm constantly surrounded by noise in wrestling. Uh, I wear various ear earplugs and things all the time, but I haven't been to a live music experience on purpose for a while. So I don't know, maybe someday. Interesting. All right. So this is the first pick of Beta Scott. This is just like Heaven by the Cure on the Punk and Proud Evers podcast.
Kevin, that is the cure on the Punk and Proudivers podcast, the first pick of Veda Scott. Um, you worked in Ring of Honor as well as in Shimmer uh, and surrounded by some really, really great commentators with Kevin Kelly and Dave Prezak. Did they give you some advice and is there some things that you took from them to add to kind of your style? Yeah, um, so they're they're both, if you're talking about just specifically Kevin Kelly and Dave Pre- Prezak, they're excellent commentators. They're very, very different announcers. Uh, especially like these days, Dave and I uh, commentate GCW mm-hmm. uh, pr- pretty often. Like we have a show tomorrow in Atlanta and uh, like that dynamic is a little bit looser GCW in general. The commentary is a little bit looser, you know, we're following, you know, the conventions of announcing, but it's like, it's a little more fun. It's not that working with Kevin is not fun. It is very fun, uh, but it's a little bit looser environment. Whereas from Kevin Kelly, uh, because I was first calling matches with him for say television tapings, but they were, they were the ring of honor, the old television tapings, or even a house show from him because his style is very based in television announcing. And he has such a long history with it. I was able to kind of like learn a little bit of those conventions while I was working with him. Uh, I saw him, couple of months ago i want to say uh and yeah i hope we get to work together again sometime because kevin kelly's great at, at at keeping the story going but he doesn't really mention a lot of moves which i think mm-hmm. is interesting but it, it works the way he does it for new japan i think he does a phenomenal job well i mean again like still that's kind of wwe or wwf yeah. i guess at the time like a flavor of you know getting over what's happening but not the specifics of what's happening um, so that works. And of course, with New Japan, he has Chris to handle all the moves and everything. So it's fine. That guy's like an encyclopedia. He is the best. Chris Charlton is the man. Um, I thought, sorry to cut you off. Uh, I thought Ian Riccoboni had a big, big or had big, big shoes to fill uh, when Kevin Kelly left Ring of Honor. And he's done him and Caprice, I think, have really come into a groove and they've done really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're great. Um. Ian is again like very much like the straight man and Caprice is awesome at color commentary. When I left Ring of Honor, he was still primarily wrestling. So that was like a later transition for him, but it makes a lot of sense. Do you think that your experience as a wrestler in the ring is kind of kind of helps you and maybe gives you a perspective that someone like me wouldn't have? I think so, because I can use that like that little bit of like. I guess you could say legitimacy in that when I say like, oh, I think this is what this person is trying to do or, oh, I've, you know, taken that move before. It hurts. 
or something like that. Or if you want to bounce a question my way about strategy, it's more legitimate, I think, when I have in-ring experience. You know, if you look at the analyst role from like Taz or when Samoa Joe used to do it, that's not really what I do. That's never how my commentary exactly is. But there's a reason why traditionally that analyst is someone who is like a, a pretty prolific professional wrestler, which again does not describe me. But the idea of like when Taz explains like how suplexes work, you believe him. Like you don't question it mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And the same thing with Samoa Joe when he was doing commentary, had that that legitimacy. And I think that that is something that's important uh, to a broadcasting table. If you can if you can get it, if it makes sense, I think that having uh, you know, it's the same with any sport, like having a, an athlete or former athlete to give you just a little bit of that perspective. That can be really that can be really helpful. Uh, you travel around and work a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a little bit stressed out when not stressed out isn't the word, but I definitely like when we bring in a new talent, maybe somebody, you know, from B.C. or Ontario that I'm not familiar with. I try to do my homework so I know what the hell I'm talking about. Like when you came here to Edmonton to work for Love Pro Wrestling, it's almost an entire roster of of somebody that or of people that you're not familiar with. Is it a little bit stressful to walk into a situation like that where you may not know or may not have as much information on the talent? Um, I so, mean, luckily you had me who was so good. But, <laughs> I'm just but so that's that's part of the key is that like you know if I'm someplace for the first time and there's someone who has been there for a while then usually we'll have a discussion about you know stories and angles and do you want to make sure that you fill in this but also i try to come into every announcing situation as prepared as possible so that means if i if the card is not available online then i'll always ask for like as much of the full card as they know so i can make my notes up i start to research everyone that i can i try to have conversations with people uh, at the show but that's not always possible and i don't think that that's the best way to go about professional wrestling commentary is just talking to the people i think talking to them is important but the day of the show as a from a wrestler's perspective sometimes putting together a match is very stressful sometimes you don't know what you're going to do sometimes you don't have time to talk to the commentators sometimes like you're just in another place i think that it's more productive for everyone to come prepared with you know all of the notes and all of the ideas that I have and discuss it with my broadcast partners, discuss it with the writer or promoter or whoever as much as possible and also discuss with the wrestlers. And then I also kind of have like a, a policy that I usually tell wherever show I'm at or people already know that like, if you are calling your match, you know, and like, you come up with something really important, but like I'm already out of commentary because the show is halfway over, just DM me or text me and I will get it in. Uh, because I think, stressing too much about giving the commentators notes is not productive uh, as a wrestler. And we can like do a lot of the work on our own. Uh, And then the other side of that, when you ask about benefits to being a wrestler, the main thing that I find really helpful for commentary is I like to just sit in the building or in the arena or in the front row and just watch people call their matches because by just watching people call their matches or watching people figure out their matches or watching people train, I'll basically know already what you're going to do mm-hmm. uh, just from watching that. And if I see anything really interesting, I can ask you about it. Yeah. yeah. I've always so got that's... my phone. Sorry. I've always got my phone with me at the table and I'm, I, I've, I, you know, pretty good friends with all of the, all of our talent. And there's, yeah. there's always, uh, you know, WhatsApp messages or Facebook messages saying, we're changing this, we're doing this. Can you yeah. get over this? So it's always good to have that there. So you can just slide it in and I've got my, my Sharpie and my notebooks always ready to go. I mean, there's not a lot that I like to do that's in general, that is like uh, unplanned or a surprise or 
uh, impulsive, like in life at all, ever. So that kind of extends to commentary as well. So I don't know. I find I don't ever get nervous in situations like that because I find a lot of comfort in preparation. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like, I just know that for me, that's what I need to do for me. And the last thing that I want to do is fuck something up that these guys are in there working so hard to try to get across. I'm like, yeah, oh. exactly. And it ha it happens a couple of times, but we try not to. Um, let's. How was your experience when you came here to Love Horror Wrestling in Edmonton? Hopefully, we treated you well. Oh, I loved it. So I traveled from, uh, I want to say it was from Newark to Calgary and had a layover. So I was also technically in Calgary for the first time. Uh, and that was cool because I could look out the airport windows. And then Edmonton, <laughs> unfortunately, well, unfortunately, because of my schedule, I had to fly in. I flew in the night before, which was good because it made sure that I was already there. Uh, and that's always a cool thing. Like, I Obviously, you know, it's not always possible. You might have a booking. A lot of times my weekends are full, but it was neat that, um, you know, Love Wrestling let me come in a little bit early and get ready. Then the venue is so cool and y'all are selling it out all the time, which is incredible. But uh, yeah, I had a great time. Great show. I really, really loved the vibe. And the only regret I have is that I didn't get to see any of Edmonton because I had a show in New Jersey the next late afternoon. So I had to take a f the earliest flight that I could. And I like drove from the airport to the show and sat down as we were going on the air. Oh, so wow. I had no spare time. And I was I was bummed about that because Edmonton looks so rad. If Maybe you... next time. If you do have time, do you like to kind of get out and check out the sites of some new places when you're there? I really do. And uh, and I try to plan for that if I can. Uh, it's not always possible. It feels like the past few months, like my travel has been very like, do the show, get on a plane, do the show, go on another plane, do the show, drive. Yeah, you're, you're everywhere right now. I think it's great. Well, and, and, and I'm having a great time. I'm really, really fortunate. I love that it's happening. But uh I would, there are some places that I visit that I would like really like to see a little bit more of. Uh, but then I kind of just mark that down for next time. And if I'm able to take an extra day, I always try to do that. I was um, speedball and I, my, my husband, Mike Bailey and I, we, when we were pre pandemic, we were spending a lot of time in Europe wrestling and, you know, we might go over for three months at a time, two months at a time. And a big part of that was like making sure that we worked in as much like just traveling and seeing things as possible. Like if we were, if we had a show in, in like an interesting place and all, every place there is interesting to us. Mm -hmm. But wherever we had a show, like if we have a show at Edinburgh, which is like my favorite city in the world, we would make sure that we had the next day clear and we would stay an extra day. Like that's like it's it's cool that someone like, you know, this thing that I would do for free, people pay me to go on vacation and then I just call the wrestling too. <laughs> so you married yourself a good Canadian. Uh, is there any weird yes. Canadian uh, isms of his that, that you well, found odd or still find odd? Well, so you have to keep in mind that Mike is Quebecois. So Very that's true, a whole yes. that's yeah. a whole other thing. Uh, and there's lots of things there that are not uh, like not, not conventionally Canadian. Yeah, true. Yes. Yes. So like there's always that little bit of things because like I uh, prior to, you know, meeting Mike, I'd been to I'd been to Ontario quite often to wrestle. So I knew like I knew Canadian people. I knew, you know, a lot. I have friends out in B.C. But then the whole French Canadian thing is also slightly different in many, many ways. Uh, so like his defense of Putin all the time uh, <laughs> does not extend to the rest of Canada. That's like a very oh, no, specific no, thing. No, it's very popular yeah. over here, too. But it's not real Putin. 
you have to, to have they have to the have French the, the proper cheese curds. A lot of people just throw grated cheese on there, and that is not. The and real I think thing. it also needs to be made and consumed within the province of Quebec, but based on the opinions of many French Canadians. Fair, but yeah. Um, so I did get to spend, I've gotten to spend, you know, quite a bit of time up there, particularly in, in Montreal. Uh, but now we're here in the States. So that's, that's new. <laughs> Let's talk about WrestleMania week. You were yes. uh, very, very, very busy. Is it hard to kind of pace yourself in terms of just keeping your voice and your attention uh, on long days where you're calling for four different shows? I mean, by the time you get to those those late night GCW shows, you got to be kind of like, I, I just want to <laughs> go to bed because I got a show at 11 in the morning tomorrow. Yeah. So th- and this past year was in L.A., which mm-hmm. like that's already miserable because L.A. is terrible. It's just a <laughs> terrible city. It just is. And like there's traffic. So like, uh, for example, the, the majority of the shows I did were either at the Globe Theater, which is where PWG runs and also where the WrestleCon. Yeah, that's where WrestleCon was. Yep. yep. Or at the collective venue, which is the Ukrainian Cultural Center. It's where GCW always runs in L.A. Mm-hmm. And they are without traffic, maybe 15 minutes apart which means that it could be 45 minutes. You never know. And a lot of my bookings were back to back. In fact, um, Speedball uh, did Bloodsport. He wrestled Kota Ibushi at Bloodsport. Then they went over to the Globe to wrestle EDA. Then uh, also wrestled Tanahashi that night. And then we went to the early guy steal, early morning guy steal, early morning show somewhere in Burbank. But yeah, so there was a lot of travel back and forth and a lot of nervousness about like making mm-hmm. call time, making bell time. But uh, for me, the main thing is, like I said, I, I like to come into things really prepared. So I had, you know, pretty extensive notes for everything. I was working with really good people. Uh, I had kind of the same thing going on last year in Dallas where I was just doing like back to back to back shows and sometimes traveling between. But I was organized. I have lots of spreadsheets to tell me where to go and when. So it all works out. <laughs> that early morning guy steal show. I was kind of fascinated by that because <laughs> you did you didn't get. Uh, to know where the the show was until you bought a ticket there was no streaming and that's that's like just because of the mystery of it it was the one because i take wrestlemania week off of my yeah. job every year and i just watch everything and, and that was one of the shows i really wanted to see just because i couldn't see it yeah so i we didn't find out where it was like the performers didn't find out where it was either until like the day before we just knew burbank but it it's it was like i don't know maybe 45 minutes away with traffic from the um the collective venue because I had just called the DDT show there, mm-hmm. uh, and then we went to one of my favorite shows Guys of the Field. weekend was that DDT. And it was show, so by the way. good. Uh, one of the coolest things that I've had in my entire career was DDT wanting me to call their show, uh, and their and their um, GCW versus DDT show. I was super super happy about that. You know, like anytime I get to share my my favorite pro wrestling with the world i'm happy uh but but yeah so that was the early morning guy steal show i'm not even 100 percent sure it was like filmed completely there was cameras okay it's on it, it was a very strange and wonderful experience um i was providing um doing i was doing interviews and uh live emceeing a wing eating contest but the wing eating contest was happening during a match of course so it was like (laughs) yeah it was the battle bog which is like a rumble style match with pinfalls and submissions or you can eat 100 hot wings so fantastic obviously yeah that was just happening in the middle of the match but it was extremely strange if it ever sees the light of day it's very enjoyable if not i could not describe to you everything that happened (laughs) 
it kind of took the place of of kaiju big battle that used to run mm-hmm. on wrestlemania week and i'm a big kaiju fan just because it's so over the top so fun and silly kaiju is super fun and it's especially fun on weekends like a wrestlemania weekend where like you end up getting people who sometimes the people under the costume are like you know, not who you would expect and you might never know, but it's a fun little thing for fans. And it's just like a fun thing to do. We had um, GCW had emo fight this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was that had a little bit of like a kaiju vibe to it in that it was like sort of the like outlier, extremely strange show. <laughs> I thought emo fight it was one of the midnight shows and I thought it was a lot of fun. I really liked the first emo fight because the venue that they had 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 was it was kind of a music friendly venue and they had right. the screens and stuff and, and Marco stunt blew me away. I had no idea he was he that he yeah. could do that. And uh, I think that's a really cool thing that they do. Uh, we're going to jump into your second track here because I don't want to keep cool. you too, too long because I know you got laundry to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the second track you picked is Neutral Milk Hotel. The track is Where You'll Find Me Now. Tell me a bit about this one and why you picked it. Uh, so I think that it is probably my favorite song off this particular album, which is on Avery Island. But Neutral Milk Hotel is my favorite band of all time. They've not been they've not been overtaken thus far. Uh, and I their their other album uh, in the airplane over the sea is, in my opinion, the most perfect uh, the most perfect rock album that's ever been produced. Maybe you just say most perfect album, period. But uh, this song is from a different album from uh, a, a, one of two. And uh, and I, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's probably my favorite song off of that album. And I feel like it was going to be too easy for me to pick something off the other album. Uh, so I went with that. So it's a little something different if maybe you're like vaguely familiar, if you're listening and you're vaguely familiar with Neutral Milk Hotel, uh, this is their other album. Right on. So, so this is Neutral Milk Hotel. This is where you'll find me now on the Punk and Proverbs podcast. All I appreciate is wasted and broken silvery streams, sacred when spoken, slam into me and into the ditch of debris. And you smoke in the park, you sleep in the Tearing 
Neutral Milk Hotel, the second pick from Veda Scott on the Punk and Potterers podcast. I want to ask you kind of a, a of an odd question, just because I think it might come across as odd because I don't know how to frame it. But when you're calling Mike Bailey matches, I've noticed in in the past you would just call them straight regular matches where there would be no mention of your relationship and then i've noticed recently there's been a couple times where you've kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit and been like i'm kind of worried that you know they're gonna get hurt but i also love good pro wrestling do you is it in your brain at all just because he wrestles on so many shows that that you call is there any kind of worry about that you just call it like you call it I mean, I would prefer to be like objective and sometimes I kind of head the other direction and I'm more like cheering for Mike's opponent, uh, depending <laughs> on what story they're telling in the match. Uh, I like almost a lot of times I don't bring it up. It gets brought up by whoever I'm calling the match with and then mm-hmm. I kind of have to like lean into it a little bit. But yeah, um, I mean, Mike's the best professional wrestler in the world. So like. I want to call the best matches and I'm a fan first and foremost. So like I get to watch all these sick matches. A lot of them happen to have Mike in them because, you know, like I said, they're the best pro wrestler in the world. And I, uh, it's been really cool since Mike came to the States that we've been able to do so much work together. Uh, it's, you know, it's not it this weekend. We have two shows together. Uh, and then last weekend we had one show together, but then Mike had an impact taping and I had a bunch of other stuff. Like, it's cool whenever we get to work together. And like, of course I like to call Mike's matches because like, I, I already know them. Like we talk about ideas for the matches we talk and then not like, we'll get to talk about how it was. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm not generally like. I feel like I'm not generally concerned much at all while I'm calling professional wrestling for people. Uh, I love deathmatch wrestling. I'm a huge fan mm-hmm. and I love calling deathmatches. And uh, I don't know. I think it's just there's, you know, a certain level of concern, but also there's like, well, these are entertainers doing, you know, what they choose to do. So I think I'm going to just try to do justice to what they're doing. It was kind of unfortunate what happened to Bailey with the 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 visa uh, issues, but it almost un- and I don't want to speak for anybody, but maybe almost a blessing in disguise because he has just stormed back into the states, and, and they're just killing it, just fantastic match after fantastic match everywhere, and it's it's a treat for us as fans to to get to see it. Yeah, uh, everything with Impact has been great, and that really opened the door to doing a lot more. Um, and fortunately, Mike has been able to still travel to Europe a couple times too. continues to wrestle in Canada. So he didn't have to like give up anything. It was just adding uh, more opportunities and to do more here in the States. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the for us uh, on a personal level, we did have to spend five years like not able to live in the same place. But we made that work, too. Uh, so now, yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice to see. It's It's, of course, wonderful on a selfish level, like it's my favorite person. I would prefer that we spend all of our time together, Mm -hmm. but it's really cool to have the opportunity to like call some of Mike's matches or be there live if I'm not working on the show, but I like, am just there. And then also like he, uh, you know, will watch back shows that I've called that he wasn't on. And you know, it's fun. It's, It's nice to be able to do this together in the same place again. Whereas like, pre like i said pre-pandemic we were doing a lot of touring in japan and europe and we tried to do as much of that together as we could but there were still limitations and then uh during covid we didn't see each other for 10 months because i couldn't get into canada Mm -hmm. he couldn't leave um so yeah it's really nice to be like back at doing things together because we do 
a lot together outside of wrestling in terms of like content creation, streaming, all of that. And it's it's been really nice to connect all those dots. Now, this is something that's kind of a personal question for for me. Uh, what advice would you give to to a commentator who's looking to expand and, and get more bookings and get the name out there? Um, because, I mean, a, rest, a professional wrestling show is going to have, you know, two dozen, you know, uh, talent athletes in the ring, and but only maybe one commentator. So it's kind of hard to branch out. And I'm really looking to kind of branch out of, of Alberta. And, and I think I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do. And I want to make a go of it. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to make a go of this? Because it's just there's not a lot of spots. Right. So I think that one way to do it would be again to maybe uh, make it known that you are available to do things remotely if necessary, Mm -hmm. because sometimes that can open up doors in terms of like, yes, it gets your voice out there and yes, it gets your work out there. But then also there's been situations where I've done things remotely and then like they really like what I do. So now I start going to their shows and we start doing it live like that kind of stuff. So I think just like trying to but also continuing to do things like podcasting and interviewing and all of that, because it it all kind of goes hand in hand, you know, and if someone sees something that you're doing online or someone's like, oh, this person's like a really good talker, they, you know, they'll spread the word around. Um, Again, for me, a lot of it was just like, kind of just, like I said, asking to do more, but then that's, that only works to like a certain point. Like, I don't know. I think that putting yourself out there is important. And I know that seems really simplistic, but I think that there's, but also like, um, just, you know, making sure that you have like a, a samples of your work and just kind of communicating that too. But again, like you said, it's tough because you can be the absolute best in the world, but uh, there's already uh, two guys, like my buddy and his friend do the commentary. Mm-hmm. So sorry. Yeah. You know I what I mean? And like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I, it's a sort of thing that I feel like um, very, very similar to refereeing. And I think that like, I've, I've, you know, I've talked to referees about this too, because they kind of feel the same way. Very similar to refereeing that it's something that I think a lot of uh, promoters and budgets don't necessarily take into account that like good announcing and good officiating, that sort of thing is, is crucial until it's bad. And absolutely. Or, or, yeah. And I, and I think that like, it's such an essential part of it's such an essential part of the presentation. And I don't know. So I guess like de- just the more that you can demonstrate that, like, uh, no, you're a, a an addition that will make things better. That's kind of always been my like my goal with commentary is that like to prove that like the show is already good, but I can make it better by doing this, this and this and like. We can present the talent in this way. Excellent. Uh, lastly, before I let you go, yes. you talked a couple of minutes ago about content creation. I know you do a lot of streaming. Tell us just a bit about that, what you do and where we can find you. Sure. So I uh, haven't been Twitch streaming all that often recently uh, because I've been traveling a lot and uh, haven't had as much time. Uh, but my I have a Twitch at twitch.tv slash Veda Scott. Looking to get back into it again soon. Uh, Speedball actually streams at least twice a week in the mornings on his Twitter at twitch.tv slash Speedball Bailey. I pop into those quite often, but his streams are amazing because literally they just sit around and they watch wrestling and talk about the matches and talk about like, you know, if you're a young wrestler, you can send a match in and it'll get watched on stream and like talked about. 
Um, I do a live uh, podcast every Tuesday night, the On a Mission podcast with Emily May. Uh, it's in conjunction with Mission Pro Wrestling, which is a group out of Texas. Uh, we have a lot of different wrestlers on, do different interviews with them. Uh, that is every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central. Uh, and then, of course, my Twitter is at its Veda time and kind of everything goes off of there. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking yes. the time to hang out with me. It's always great to get another perspective from another commentator. And I like that uh, that you talk about how important that it really is. And I'm hoping maybe sometime we'll get a chance to work together again in the future. I hope so, too. Yeah, I got to see more of Edmonton. Well, we got all kinds of stuff. We got some poutine <laughs> here. We got we got more donair shops here. Do you know what a donair is? Yes. Yeah, so that's way more like Western Canada yes. than Eastern Canada, for sure. So we got a lot of those too. So we'll definitely have to check one of those out. We're going to go out to brand new music from uh, Frenzel Rom. Frenzel Rom has a brand new album out that I think is going to be like the punk album of the summer. I really enjoy it. So definitely check this song out. It is called Where Drug Dealers Take Their Kids. Uh, again, thank you, Beta Scott, for joining me. Thank I don't you. know exactly what I've got set up for next week, but definitely uh, check it out. And we will talk to you guys all next week. For the screens